friends. Welcome to the Life is Hard, God is Good podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Miller, and this podcast is all about being real about the hardships that we face in life and finding God's goodness in the midst of it. Because he tells us that in this world we will face troubles, but to take heart because he has already overcome the world. He doesn't promise us that this life will be easy, but he does say that he will be with us. We've been talking about God's attributes because the Bible is all about him, not about us. And when we are in him, he transforms us to be more like him. And someday we will spend eternity with him. So let's learn more about him together. Today, we're focusing on him as being the way. I feel like we usually think of him as the way from John 14, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is the main way that we think of him as the way because he is our salvation. He made the way for us to get to heaven. But there's also other ways that he is the way. And to start off, I just want to tell you a little story. Recently, I was going on this hike where it's a path that kind of loops around. And in the middle of the loop is this beautiful spot where you can go down to the beach and you're on the sand and you see the waves and it's just a beautiful spot to see the lake. And then you take the path back to where you parked. But uh, on the path, I kind of saw this little side path to the left of the main trail. That uh, There weren't any signs that said no trespassing or anything like that. So I kind of took a little exploration over there to see what was going on. I might have climbed over a little barbed fence and, you know, followed this little beaten trail. Found another barbed wire fence, but again, no sign that said no trespassing or anything so I was like I'm sure there's something really cool up here and I got to the top and it was a cool view and everything but when I was coming back down from there I saw some people coming on that main trail and so I kind of hid in the trees for a minute until they passed by because I knew that I probably really shouldn't have been up there I know where the main trail is and where the signs are that lead me where I should be going and so I knew that I wasn't where I needed to be But I got back on the main trail, saw the beautiful lake, which, by the way, there was a sunset that was absolutely immaculate and took the trail background the way that it was supposed to be. So we're going to actually start with learning about Moses here because Moses, we know him as the, the man that God used to deliver the Israelites from Egypt, the land of slavery, into the promised land through many crazy things like the plagues and going through the Red Sea on dry land. But he actually, like he was a Hebrew, and God um, graciously allowed him to live, even though at the time the Pharaoh was like, we're going to kill all the baby boy Hebrews. But he was saved, and he lived as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, so he was a part of that royal family that was oppressing the Hebrews because they lived as slaves. And then he actually killed an Egyptian man and fled to Midian where he met his wife and started a family out there before God called him. And that's right before this passage. We're going to talk about uh, Exodus 3 where he first encounters God and then Deuteronomy 34 where it's his last encounter with God here on earth. So in Exodus 3 starting in verse 1, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, 
the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said, Who am I that I should go to the Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. So this is Moses' first encounter with God. And we can see here that he was shepherding Jethro's flock, and then he goes up to this mountain, and he sees the remarkable sight of the burning bush that doesn't burn up. And God introduces himself, calls Moses, and he, after he you know, introduces himself as the God of your father Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. But God tells him that you know, he's heard the Israelites and their cry for the oppression, and he has come down to rescue them out of Egypt and the land of slavery into a spacious land flowing with milk and honey. And he tells him to go, I'm sending you. I will be with you. I am who I am. And he tells them that he will uh, perform miracles and wonders um, in the process. Then we jump ahead to the end of Moses' life here in Deuteronomy 34. And I want you to notice how God fulfills all of these things that he's talking about in Exodus 3. Even though Moses is not a perfect man, he, he messed up at times. He was a human who had flaws. But he put his faith in a faithful God who makes a way for us and who speaks words that do not fall flat on the earth, but accomplish what he desires and achieve the purpose for which he sends it. So Deuteronomy 34. Then Moses climbed Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab to the top of um, Pisgah across from Jericho. There the Lord showed him the whole land from Gilead to Dan, all of Naphtali, the territory of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah, as far as the Mediterranean Sea the Negev, and the whole region from the valley of Jericho, the city of Palms, as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, 
This is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when I said, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross over into it. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab as the Lord had said. He buried him in Moab in the valley opposite of Beth Peor, but to this day no one knows where his grave is. Moses was a hundred and twenty years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak nor his strength gone. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab thirty days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all these signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his officials and to his whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. So this, again, Moses is shepherding, but he's not shepherding the flock of his father-in-law in Midian, but he is shepherding God's people. And he goes up to a mountain, just like in Exodus 3, where he went up to the mountain of God. In this case, he's going up to Mount Nebo. And there he sees, again, a remarkable sight, but this time it's not the burning bush where God is calling him. But he, the remarkable sight that he sees is the land that God had promised, the land that before he even went to Egypt to get the Israelites out of slavery, God promised this land, and now he's seeing it with his own eyes. And even though he couldn't cross over into it because of his sin, he got to see it with his own eyes, and what a remarkable sight that is. And again, God is talking about the promise that he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, just as he introduced himself in Exodus 3, that he is the God of your father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I love this so much. In Exodus 3, when God introduced himself, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. But in Deuteronomy 34, we see that since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. And just as he said in Exodus 3, that there would be miracles and signs and wonders, in Deuteronomy 34, we see that no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. So the things that God said in Exodus 3 seemed impossible to Moses. Moses, he objected it. He was like, I am not good at speaking. You should pick someone else. He is questioning it. And he's like, why me? And God says, you know, who made man? Who made his mouth? Who made his eyes? Now go, I'm sending you. And he says that, you know, Aaron can be your mouthpiece but I am sending you, you go. And he makes a way. He makes a way for Moses to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, into that spacious and good land flowing with milk and honey. And he doesn't do it by his own power. He's a flawed human. He does it because he puts his faith in our faithful God and he follows in the way of God. He followed that cloud by day and the fire by night and he followed each word that God said every step of the way. It's a step-by-step process to follow that way, the path that God has laid before us. And it's not an easy path. They went through the Red Sea. God split the Red Sea and they walked through. He didn't let them just have a magic carpet to go over the Red Sea. No, they went through the Red Sea and then God closed the rivers back over to swallow up all the horses and riders of the Egyptian army. So God made a way. The words that he said did not fall flat on the earth. We know that his way is the best way. Just like we talked about when we were talking about wisdom. When he created the world, he created the world woven with a fabric of 
wisdom because he knows what is right and wrong. And we need to trust his wisdom that is best and not our own wisdom. We don't want to be wise in our own eyes, which leads to destruction. Isaiah 55, starting in verse 9 says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God speaks and that word does not fall flat. What he says will come into completion. He always makes a way. He made a way when he made the world, the wisdom that we can follow and we can tap into that. He made a way through the commandments that he gave. The Ten Commandments are not a list of do's and don'ts so that we can be morally good people. I mean, that is a good way to, we want to be good in God's eyes, but it's the heart behind it is so that we can live in communion communion with him. He wants us to draw near to him and to walk in a way that helps us become more like him. And we follow when we follow that way, that's what happens. When we follow him step by step in those little ways or even in the big ways, those ways help us to become more like him and to draw closer to him. After Moses comes Joshua, and that spirit of wisdom is put on him because Moses laid his hands on him and he becomes the new leader of the Israelites. And this is what God says to him in Joshua 1, verses 7 and 8. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn to it from the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So we want to follow that way that he gives us. Just like it says in Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in the season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor the sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. The way that the righteous are following is Him. He makes the way through His word, through the law. And when we follow that, we get life, which is Him. In Psalm 119, the longest psalm, which is just delighting in His word, Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. In the Old Testament, we see that way that he makes for us through the law, the commandments. Those are the ways that we can walk and know that we are following him. In Psalm 23, he leads us in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. We can grow closer to him if we are walking in that path because he cannot be... In the presence of sin, he can't tolerate sin. 
and we have to live a life that is holy in order to be in communion with him. But then he made a way through his son. Jesus is the way. In John 14, verses 6 and 7 say, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So Jesus is the way. He made the way for us because he came and he lived the perfect life. He followed God every single step of the way. Even to death, he obeyed God. And that blood that he shed covers us so that we can walk in communion with him. Even though we mess up and we don't live a perfect life, just like Moses. Moses didn't live a perfect life. All the people in the Hebrews 11 great faith chapter did not live a perfect life, but they put their faith in him who is faithful, in him whose faithful love sustains us and keeps us going, in him whose word never falls short, but always comes to completion. So Jesus came and is the way. But he also continues to make a way. After Jesus came, he ascended into heaven. He is now sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. And after he ascended into heaven, the Holy Spirit came. And if you are in Christ, if you have put your faith in him and you have confessed that he is your Lord and your Savior and your heart is his, then the Holy Spirit comes and lives and dwells in you. And you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And he continues to make ways in our life. In Revelation 3, there's these different letters to the churches. And to the church in Philadelphia, he writes, I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. He makes a way. He opens doors that cannot be shut. Proverbs 3 reminds us that the ways that we have are not the same ways that God has and that our our own selves can deceive us and that we must remember that God's wisdom is the best. Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. He is the one who knows the way, the way that leads us on the path of righteousness, the way that leads us into holiness and communion with him, to be set apart and holy. Sometimes we think that there is no way, that we can't possibly have any restoration. There's no way that there can be any healing There's no way that anything good can come out of it. But Isaiah 43 reminds us that he makes all things new, that he can make a way in the wilderness, that he can turn anything and make it into something beautiful. Isaiah 43 verses 18 through 19. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do not perceive it. I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. He continues to make ways. He made the way for us to follow him through the law and we messed up. But he came and he was and still is the way that is our salvation. And he makes ways in our life still today for us to follow and that he restores and makes a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. 
So my question to you is, have you made him the only way? He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. If you're trying to get to the Father in any way other than the blood of Jesus, it is not going to work. If you go to the right or to the left of that path, it's not going to work. Just like in Joshua 1, it talks about following his ways and not turning to the right or the left. You don't want to get off the path like Rachel did when she went hiking and go off some path that might look like it's fun and exciting, but really it's not the way that you're supposed to go. And maybe there's a nice view there, but it's not where... It's not the destination that you're heading towards. You want to live a life in a way that you're following him step by step, moment by moment, to follow that path so that you are continually becoming more like him and being sanctified and drawing closer to him. Anything that distracts you off that path, this narrow road that not many people turn to, anything that distracts you off that path is not going to help you. In Hebrews 12, it says, Therefore, Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So we want to take off the things that hinder us. And that includes the distractions of looking to the right or to the left instead of staying on that path. Because we are in this race of endurance. It's not a sprint. It's a step-by-step, moment-by-moment, trusting that His way is the best. His ways are higher His thoughts are wiser. And the things that he says are not going to fall flat. It's not like our distractions to the right or the left, which might be pleasing for a short time, but have no lasting effect. The words that God speak always come to completion, are always accomplished, are always achieved. And they are things that not only last here on earth, but they last for all of eternity. Have you put your faith in him who is the way? He is the only way. Any way that we try to do on our own, whether that be through good acts, whether that be through just finding some good enjoyment in life, that's not going to be the way. I encourage you to turn to Him as your Lord and Savior. You cannot save yourself. Nothing can save you except for Jesus Christ. His blood alone is sufficient for you. And do you trust that He can make ways through whatever difficulty you're going through right now? What difficulty are you going through right now that seems impossible? Is it a divorce? Is it a job loss? Is it an injury? Is it heartbreak? Mental illness? Whatever it is that you're going through right now, God can make a way. And it's not skimming the surface over it. God didn't have the Israelites go on a magic carpet over the Red Sea. He split the sea open and they walked through it to get to the other side. He made a way for them through it. We have to go through mountains and valleys sometimes. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Even in those hard places, even the ways that seem impossible for us, He is with us in that. And He helps us walk through it. He makes a way through it so that we trust in Him more. He doesn't promise that we're going to go through this life without scars. He doesn't promise that we're going to go through this life without difficulties, without troubles, without hardships. Those things will come, but He will be with us in it. Are you trusting Him that He's making a way? Are you trusting Him that He's leading you in the path of righteousness and through the valley of the shadow of death that His presence is with you? Do you trust Him? 
His ways are best, even when they don't make sense to us, even when we just want to skim over the surface and not go through the depths of it. He is with us. So I just pray that you think about these words and let it dwell in your heart and your mind and your soul. And just keep pressing into that and asking yourself, what way are you taking? Who are you putting your trust in? Are you trying to make a way for yourself? Or are you trusting the way that he is leading you on, even if it's just a step-by-step thing? Because we don't often see the whole path in front of us. Sometimes the, the lamp to our feet and the light for our path is just for that one next step. Are you trusting him in that? Thank you for joining me today for the Life is Hard, God is Good podcast. We have some awesome upcoming episodes about God's attributes And I can't wait to have you join us next week. May the Lord bless you and keep you.